Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melissa C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Today is Tuesday, August 25th. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page XXXI, third paragraph, When I Need a Mental Uplift, through four paragraphs, We're actually ending the doctor's opinion today, um, ending with William D. Silkworth, MD, and comments will be on all four paragraphs. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Huey W., for the 12 traditions, Kathy W., readers of the text are Allison L. and Martha Z., our newcomer greeter is Mary B., and the host for the second hour is Leslie M. The reference numbers for uh, yesterday, Monday, August 24th, the 7 a.m. meeting, was 15208. That's 15208. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting was 15209. That's 15209. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Huey W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Huey. Good morning. This is Huey W., a recovered and recovering compulsive overeater from Connecticut, originally from China. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, 
We're entirely ready to have God to remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons who had all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the prayer and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Hway W. I will now ask Kathy W., to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Um, my name is Kathy W., and I'm from upstate New York. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for allowing me to do service this month. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kathy W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. And and I'll remind you if you go over time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only.
our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers, six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today, we resume our study of the Big Book. We are on page XXXI, third paragraph, when I need a mental uplift. We'll be reading through four paragraphs, finishing up the doctor's opinion, ending with William D. Silkworth, MD, and comments will be on all four. I will ask, I will now ask Allison L. to begin reading. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you for your service. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, we had a talk, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment a waste of effort, unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that he felt his only hope would we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology, and we doubted if even that would have any effect. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray, William D. Silkworth, M.D. Well, I'm Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Uh, these paragraphs this morning um, immediately brought me to a point four years ago when I was um, on my own version of uh, the in the barn determined to die. I was sitting on my couch nursing my baby, and I could not do um, anything other than think about when I would eat again, when the baby would finish eating so I could put him down and I could eat. I didn't want to go outside and play with my other kids. I was hoping that the neighbors were watching them because I just couldn't um, do anything other than get my my next fix. And um, I had been in OA for three years at that point. I had had some brief moments of recovery. And the problem was that I had scoffed at so much of the program, doubted it, and not thought that I needed to do it. Um, I scoffed at, you know, needing to weigh and measure or commit my food or having to be completely honest or having to listen to a sponsor. I scoffed at needing to make phone calls and rely on other people in the program for 10 steps or for help. Um, I scoffed at having to make all the amends, even the ones I was afraid to make. I scoffed at having to give time consistently for service. Um, and I scoffed at whether the program would actually work for me consistently long-term if, if I could recover as I worked through the steps. Um, you know, four years ago, I, I, once I got to that point of desperation, I thought it's the only thing I can try again. 
Um, and as I worked through the steps, I, I asked my sponsor, you know, similar to what this man asked, you know, um, you know, it's a waste of time unless you can guarantee me. And I, I stopped and asked my sponsor, like, do you really live differently? Do you not crave the food? Do you not have to have these continuous thoughts of, of the food being the answer? And she assured me that she had, in fact, recovered and did not live that way anymore. Um, and that was enough hope for me to keep doing the step work. Um, and, and, you know, the instructions in this book are clear and simple to follow, especially with the guidance of someone who's also found freedom by following them. And so I remain, I remained to do the work, to keep doing the work, keep showing up. Um, and I haven't suffered from my Ill, illness of compulsive overeating. I have not suffered for the past four years. Um, I experienced that pain of trying to just do enough to get by, and it doesn't work. Uh, the freedom I have today isn't free, and it requires destruction of self-centeredness through the instructions in this book, all of them. I don't take days off. I work um, I work hard each day at following the instructions and, and living this new way of life, and it is, it is the solution, and it, um, it gives me this new way of life. So I, I hope that all will. Um, follow the instructions and, and remain here with us to pray. I'm going to pass. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Allison L., for getting us started. Okay. So before I open up the lines for sharing, I want to remind us all that although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. So if you have shared on um, Friday or Monday, um, we ask that you refrain in order that others might share their experience, too. So with that, who would like to share? Katie G. From Katie G. Okay, I heard Katie G. And someone Nancy else. P. Nancy. Lisa B. Ross M. In the U.K. Uh, Ross M. Someone from Nessa the U.K. I. Before Nessa Liz in the U.K. Liz, okay. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you who I've got so far. I've got Katie G, Nancy P, Lisa B, Russ M, Liz in the UK, Nessa R. And um, if I miss someone, I'll pick you up the next go-round. Okay, so um, Katie G, go right ahead. Katie, good morning. Hey, Melissa, good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. I love this chapter. You know, I looked up the word willpower, the ability to control one's own actions, emotions, and urges. And, um, you know, a lot of times people say in the rooms, you know, don't give up, hang in there. And I'm just here to say to you, give up. My willpower, you know, I remember my first diet when I was a little girl, you know, decrease your calories, increase your activity, and it worked. And I pushed myself and pulled myself through life, trying to make things happen, trying to will, trying to um, make my life. And I was able to graduate college and have a job. And then my life came crashing down. And the relationships that I had were crashing under my willpower or under my ego. Um, and 
um, and around my compulsive eating, you know, which I could not control, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. And it just, it didn't make sense to me. And um, I love this story. I laugh every year when I think this guy goes to a deserted barn to die. And, and me too. Like, I'm, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to Overeaters Anonymous and say, help me, tell me what to do. Because the thing with this disease is my ego rebuilds, whether I'm recovered or not, and it continues to rebuild every single day if I do not continue to supplicate my will with God's, right? And so for me, in the beginning, it meant giving up. It meant not interviewing sponsors. It meant calling someone and saying, help me. Tell me what to do. I, I don't have anything else. I don't have any other ideas. It's not working. Everything's crashing around me. Tell me, what is entire abstinence? Tell me, how do I get from breakfast to lunch to lunch to dinner? Tell me, what, what do I do? How do I talk with human beings? Right? And, and this woman took my hand and put my hand in God's through these 12 steps. And today, the difference between, you know, my willpower, I, I don't, I don't have that fight that I used to have. I fought everyone. I had hundreds of sponsors. I, I thought everything was about me fighting and getting my peace. You know, and today my life is full of unmerited gifts that I do not, I cannot touch. You know, when, when, when I started getting, get heated as a recovered woman, I need to call my people. I need to say, help me. Tell me what to do. I'm fighting. I'm trying to arrange. You know, and scoff means contempt, mock, ridicule, sneer. How am I scoffing today? What contempt prior to investigation am I, am I, am I saying, oh, well, I know what they're going to say. I know what should happen here. I don't. Set aside prayer, right? Like, please, my, my, my freedom today is that I don't know that the problem is what I think I know. I think my life should look this way. But God has such better plans, so I got to surrender. I need to pray, supplicate, plead, implore you. And that's what I do with you today. I implore you, give up, join us. We have a solution that is better than anything I could have planned or you, I hope, with that I pass. Thanks, Katie G. Thank you. Okay. Next up is Nancy P., and Nancy will be followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Nancy. Hi, Melissa. Good morning, everybody. Nancy P. from West Newton, Massachusetts, recovered. Let me just start my timer. Um, so, yeah, I um, I had a barn, too. It was my car. And, um, you know, I have been in this program for a really, really long time, and I never – I don't like to say – um, that I had any success. Uh, recently, I've come to think of it as I basically was in relapse. And I got into relapse because I joined OA. And before I was in OA, I only ate. Um, and then I was in OA and I never, quote, got it. I never, I never surrendered. I never thought that it was going to work. And I had done a billion things. I mean, I've said it before on the line, you know, new sponsor, different meetings, more meetings, eat this, don't eat that, weigh and measure, don't weigh and measure. And finally, that one day, I had just eaten a dozen donuts, and I was sobbing in my car. And I don't know, you know, I can feel, you know, the you know Allison's pain when she talked about nursing her baby and just waiting to eat. That was me. I just, I had finished my donuts, and I was waiting to eat. And the thing that saved me is fellowship. I mean, I, I, I somehow picked up my phone from my car with my sticky hands, and I called my friend. And she told me about this meeting. And, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I had to fish a piece of paper out of my sticky purse and write down with a sticky pen, you know, the, um, the number. And I threw it in my sticky tote bag and didn't take it out again until December 1st. 
2017, but I have not had to hurt myself with food since that day. But that was the least of it. Putting the food down was the least of it. The beginning was the fellowship and talking to other compulsive overeaters. And I had listened into the meeting from December 1st and, you know, started started to sort of come out of this fog and um and I listened every day but I had to get I had to do more because I wanted it to be, you know, I had spent my whole life like, oh, this is just gonna be another meeting or this is just gonna be another thing that I do. Like who wouldn't feel uplifted when they listen to this meeting? I mean people are talking about the solution. They're talking about living in the solution and they don't talk about the problem. They don't talk about abstinence. They talk about how they live their lives. And I just felt like I wanted it to be done. Like if I tie my shoes, you know, I want it to be done, you know, and it's not like that. My sponsor told me this should pinch, this should take time. And it does. And sometimes, you know, I spend time every single day, every, a lot of time, every single day on this, on my recovery. And, um, you know, like my bees outside the queen, you know, she, they, those drones, they, all they do is take care of her. That's pretty much what I do um, is I take care of my, um, my recovery. And, and what I get back is, um, a life of sane and happy usefulness. But the scoffing, um, you know, and the, the scoffing for me is like another way to say, I already know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen in the end. But I didn't know. There is no way with my robust imagination and my good command of the English language that I could have imagined, written down in any way, shape, or form, whoops, I'm off, I'm done, um, what, what my recovery would look like. And today I'm living it. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Thanks so much. Okay, next up is Lisa B., and Lisa will be followed by Russ M. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you for your service. My name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A in in case anyone wants to reach out to me. I love these examples that Dr. Silkworth is giving. He, He didn't know how else to share what the answer was except to give examples, you know, and, and that's the amazing thing about this program. Sometimes I don't know how to put it into words other than just to share or to show how it's worked for me. And I love that he says, when I need a mental uplift, I often need a mental uplift. Uh, Sometimes I feel very discouraged being on the firing line and working with fellows. Um, It just sometimes feels like it's not going well, but then I'll get a call from a recovered sponsee and she's sharing about her sponsee that has started sponsoring. And not that I can take any credit for that. I can't take any credit for this. It's, it's being able to share this message in the precise way that it worked for me. And then if the person is desperate enough to want to do it, and, and that's really what it comes down to. But I often need that reminder by going to other recovered fellows that have years and decades on the firing line. And they share with me that sadly, it's, it's such a low percentage rate of people that they work with, of the ones that get recovered and have long-term recovery and stay recovered. And I don't want to be one of those people, you know, that dwindles away. And I have to work very hard every day, every day. It, it's a total focus for me. You know, I have a life in living color because I have black and white abstinence and I have, I have a strong program through God's grace and through all of you and this wonderful program and this wonderful fellowship and I love where it says his alcoholic problem was so complex 
and his depression so great. And that reminded me when I said to my sponsor, when I started working with her, what about all of these other problems? What about all of these other issues? And she brought me to the chapter more about alcoholism where it says, quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. And that's what happens for me today. These principles work for all of my problems. And I need all of you. I need recovered people around me to encourage me and walk with me. And I need to always be reaching back behind me, extending my hand to the next still suffering person. And then I have someone in front of me reaching their hand out back to me to help me. We all do this together. And at times it can feel discouraging. But when we all get together and we hear each other sharing our experience, strength, and hope, it is so uplifting. And what is the option? What the disease asks for me is is treacherous compared to what this program asks for me. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa Bay. Okay, next up is Russ M., and Russ will be followed by Liz in the U.K. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks for your service. Good morning, family. So my most favorite line out of the doctor's opinion is William D. Silkworth, M.D. This man figured it all out for me. You know, my, 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 my whole life was a, walk and relapse for 44 years, you know, uh, obviously, you know, it owned me, it owned me, you know, I tried figuring it out, 100 grand, maybe more than that, in clothes and foods and diets and pills and exercise programs and gyms, and this guy said, if you work with me for six weeks, I'll get you thin, uh, you know, all that happy horse malarkey, you know, but Silky figured it out. I was searching my whole life for the solution. Can you imagine what Bill and Dr. Bob were feeling? You're they're in the presence of this dude. I know he's a human being. But he, he so God gave him a gift and he gave him a solution to hand down to all of us. You know, how many countless families have been restored lives, you know, just People getting normal, you know, just being able to be effective and useful and live their life under the pressures and trials of life in a pretty sane way. So that's my favorite favorite line in a doctor's opinion, William Duncan Silkworth, MD. That's, that's my homeboy right there. My man put it together for me, and it's, it's given me my whole life back. I know it sounds overly dramatic, but if you want to talk about it, I'll let you know, because that barn, I was locked down, man. I was locked down. I had nothing. And I lost everything. Until I read that doctor's opinion, and I almost like prayed it and, and made it become part of my inside of my heart and studied it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't have nothing. So thank you, Silky. You're, you're godsend. Love you guys. Have a beautiful day. Thanks so much, Russ. Um, okay, next up is Liz from the UK and then Nessa R. And Liz, if you could just tell me the initial of your last name, I missed it. Hi, Liz E. Uh, from Brist- Recovered Compulsive Overeat from Bristol in the UK. Thanks. So um, thank you. Ev- thank you so much to everybody for your service here today. Um, yeah, just I've been in the rooms for many years. 
but I've only recently got into recovery um, as a result of this amazing uh, program and meetings that you run here in Vision. Uh, the word that stuck out for me was hopeless. I am one of these hopeless varieties, but I am not helpless. It doesn't say helpless. And for me to really, really understand what this means is just absolutely central to my recovery and is the thing that has, for the first time, I've, I get it. And for the first time in years, I am experiencing the moral psychology, the change of thinking, and um, understanding that my problem is a buildup of human emotion. My problem is not food. My solution is the 12 steps. And um, I just, and then this word complex, my daughter keeps saying to me, Mum, why do you have to make it so complicated? I didn't realize that I make everything flipping complicated. She says to me, just say yes or no, Mum. It's really simple. What is it about my head? My, and I am coming to understand that my thinking is really you know, off a lot more than I thought it ever was. I thought I was reasonably quite competent, but I am learning how to do it differently today. I am learning how I can um, achieve this and um, earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book. Wow, really understanding what this book um, and studying it through um, the pandemic and, uh, and today is how I have got into recovery. And it is by iron sharpening iron and being a, alongside very a strong recovery and choosing to only go to meetings that are going to progress and stretch and challenge my recovery because that's how I get more recovery. But it is this book um, that's, that the gift is here. In the, every word, every comma, every full stop. I never understood how, you know, just hearing William D. Silkworth, MD. Wow. And the gratitude I've got for him. Thank you. I'll pass. Oh, thank you so much, Liz E. Thank you. Okay, next up is Nessa R., and then we'll open up the lines again for sharing. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. Um, you know, when I um, first recovered after, uh, that was over eight and a half years ago, after nine years in the rooms of not doing very much, you know, by the grace of God, I didn't gain any weight while I was in the rooms, but I also didn't lose any weight nor recovered in any way, shape, or form. So I was so excited when I first recovered. I wanted to, you know, shout the solution from rooftops, and I made it my mission to make every compulsive overeater I encounter recover. And, and the operative work here was made, like it was my... My, my responsibility, my doing within my control 
to make people um, recover. Um, and of course, that, that didn't work very well. And I like the, the visual that was just offered um, about um, looking behind and offering the hand, my hand to those who follow. Uh, because what I was doing was pushing the ones who were following me from behind. And, um, you know, that's just codependent behavior and doesn't work very well. My, my job is to try to carry a message. My job is not to try to convince people that either they are compulsive overeaters or if they know they are, that my solution is their solution. They have to come to that conclusion themselves that they're hopeless and that there's nothing else but um, this um, spiritual um, um, kits. Uh, um, so, um, you know, recently I bumped into somebody uh, from my social circle who had come into program um, a year or so before I recovered. And uh, she, she lost a lot of weight. And so she had, she had met me uh, when I was almost 200 pounds. And um, um, she lost weight. I don't know if she recovered, but anyhow, she went out and she put it all back and more. And so uh, recently I saw, saw her at a gathering and she came over to me. And in eight and a half years, my body size has not changed. Um, I still fit in the summer clothes that I wore when I first recovered. And she came to me and she says, she said, you know, are you still doing that? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be doing it uh, for the rest of my life uh, because I don't want to go back to the way I was. And what I have now is so incredible. Uh, nothing, nothing close to what, what the best thing that I ever wanted for myself. I could have never imagined this. And she says, well, you know, like it didn't work for me. So I asked her, like, it didn't work for you or you didn't work for it. And that took her aback, and uh, she kind of didn't reply. She said, well, maybe both, and then the topic of conversation changed. But, you know, maybe eight years ago, I would have tried to convince her to come back to, um, to, uh, to try the program to, to, you know, to become entirely abstinent, to work the steps according to the big book. This time I did nothing. All I need to do is just show up and be a role model and be a power of example, right? It's attraction rather than promotion. She may be scoffing and she may always uh, scoff, um, but that is not, um, it's not up to me to fix that. Um, my job is to, to plant a seed, to be an example of what's possible. And thank you. And uh, let nature do the rest. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much, Nessa R. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to remind everyone what we're up to. <clears throat> we're on page XXXI, the third paragraph, when I need a mental uplift. We're reading through four paragraphs, finishing up the doctor's opinion, ending with William D. Silkworth, MD. And um, if you have not shared on Friday or Monday um, and you would like to share, please um, offer up your name. Chuck A. Barbara E. I heard Chuck K. There was someone before Chuck. Janet B. Pamela E. Christina J. E. Hi, do you have Christina J. Hold on. How about Barbara? Okay, I got Barbara um, E. Yep, okay. I'm going to tell you who I've got, and I know I missed someone in between Christina and Barbara. I got Janet B., Chuck K., Christina J., there was someone before Barbara A. in between Christina and Barbara. Katie B. 
Did you have do you have Christine A? Okay, was that I got it is it Katie B? Yes, good morning. Good morning, Katie B. And was it Christine? There was someone else. Christine Christine A, Northern Ireland. Got it. Christine A. Okay, I'm gonna stop there. Okay. Alrighty, great. So I've got Janet B, Chuck K. Christina J, Katie B, Barbara E, and Christine A. And um, all right. Good morning, Janet B. Go right Hi, ahead. Melissa. Good morning. Um, good morning, everyone. This is Janet B, recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Um, the things that stuck out to me here were what did the doctor recommend? And it looked like there's two things moral psychology and remain to pray moral psychology and prayer and so it reminds me when i came around after um six and a half years of binging in oa i was at a meeting that allowed feedback so i just said i've been in i've been um in oa in this program for six and a half years and i'm still binging and this old timer stood up and said you may have been going to meetings for six and a half years, but you've not been in the program. And that blew me away. And then I just set about finding out what this program was. And really, faith and works together, right? We hear it over and over. Faith without works was dead. So the moral psychology, that was kind of, for me, the work. Um, not the old-fashioned psychology of seeing what my parents did wrong to screw me up, because um, I was just blaming. And if anything, this program taught me to forgive. But moral psychology, God coming in to rearrange my heart so that my values are different. So immediately, I had to start being honest. And I was a compulsive liar. I just faked being mugged to get attention. And I had to be scrupulously honest. And then I had to do self-sacrifice. And at the beginning, I couldn't really help anyone. So I lived in New York City. I made sandwiches for homeless people. I mean, I just did what I could. And then um, the last words that the doctor said is we remain to pray. And I prayed. And I had always believed in God, but I thought God was there for war and poverty and children starving in Ethiopia. And what did he care about me and my weight? But I just took a gamble. And my gamble said, God, I've always had fixed ideas of what you were like and how to worship you. And I'm willing to admit it's wrong and to start over and let you show me what you're like and how to worship you. And I've said it before, my experience of that was like a hand reaching into my soul and yanking out the obsession. And I just find it really telling here that the doctor's last words aren't um put down the alcohol, aren't go to meetings, aren't get a sponsor. It's pray, because prayer is how we connect with the God who has launched a search and rescue program for all of us struggling addicts. And that's how I just connect with him and allow his grace to come in and rescue me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janet Bay. Okay, next up is Chuck Kay. And Chuck will be followed by Christina J. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. This is Chuck from Georgia. And what I like about this part of the big book is this was this was explained to me at one time of a promise. This story is a promise. 
And here you had a fellow that was so hopeless that he went off to die, was found by someone else, and through the working of these steps, being sold upon the ideas of this book, he's now the finest specimen you could ever want to meet. And this is said by a doctor. And I love it when Dr. Silkworth, in a previous paragraph, says that if you think I'm being sentimental, why don't you come and, and deal with what I have dealt with? Why don't you see these poor, pitiful people and the way they treat themselves and the world around them? And the reason this is a, a wonderful part for me to understand that it's a promise is because I felt that way too. I had all of that fear, all of those old beliefs of all the things that had always started but never finished, all the diets that I had tried and failed with, all the times in school and in other areas where I would pick something up and I would, I would do really well with it for a while and then I would just set it down. And so all of those old beliefs, they were scary for me because that's my, that was my life. That was my life before programs. And people were explaining to me that this is something that I have to do for the rest of my life. And I was afraid because I'd never done anything for the rest of my life. I could pick it up. I could work as hard as anyone for a while. Then I would set it down. I would lose interest. And I would give up. And that's what I thought was going to happen in program. And that's why I thought program wouldn't work for me. But then when I look at a story like this, and I can see someone that has gone down, maybe even further down the road than I did. But yet through the working of these steps on a daily basis, not worrying about what I've done in the past and not being afraid of what's going to happen in the future, taking a day at a time and doing the best I can on the footwork that I have in front of me, I can recover. And I did. So I'm very thankful for this story. I'm glad that it was explained to me that this is a promise that I can grab a hold of. And I'm thankful for that, and I'll pass. Have a good day. Thank you so much, Chuck Kay. Okay, next up is Christina J., and Christina will be followed by Katie B. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Melissa. morning, everyone on the line. Christina J. from the state of Washington. This story always blows me away because uh, here's a guy who goes to die, goes to hide. And... Um, they found him. Why'd they found him? Because God was leading the pack. That's, my, that's, that's what's in my heart about this. God didn't want this guy, guy to die. He had a great service work for this guy to do. And for me, I'm on this line. For many of you, you're on this line. We, we have a great service work to do. We've been gifted with a special disease that takes us into the depths of our souls and connects us, if we work this, with the spiritual sunlight of the spirit, with a power greater than ourselves to handle anything in life, not just this food, with God leading the way, we take his hand and we handle life day by day. Um, so I, I don't think that any of us were meant to die uh, because we have this disease and God has, God has brought us to this program. My rescue party was a woman who told me about vision twice. That was my rescue party. And I got going. Um, moral psychology, this guy's so depressed that he doesn't even think that any kind of moral beliefs or psychology would help him. Shit, I had tons of moral psychology. It never helped me, you know. So he's, he's not feeling that yet. But he did become sold 
Now, I have to be sold on everything in this book. I can't be sold on just step one or step three or step two or step five or step 12. I have to be sold on them all. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve has got to be in my backpack every day and in my heart. I had a friend tell me once who was a, a seminar leader, you know, uh, I charge for seminars. I would give it away for free, but I charge because people feel that if they're paying for something, uh, it's special. And... Most people that pay for something will try to do it. If you give something away for free, a lot of times they won't try. Oh, well, you know, it's free. I can come back a later time. But these, this stuff is free in here. This stuff's free. But why am I sold? Because my disease is beating me down to a pulp with relapse after relapse, and I can't just do one or two or three or think I have a connection with God when I don't. I've got to do them all. So I've got to be sold on every idea in this book. And what happened to this guy when he got sold on the ideas of the book? He didn't drink anymore. He became a fine specimen of manhood. We become fine specimens of people in this world. Our world needs us, needs the light we have inside once we discover that sunlight. Not just to shine on other alcoholics or overeaters or whatever, but to shine on humanity. We are a messed up place right now, and God needs us. Um, so, yeah, you might come and scoff, I don't want to do that step, that's stupid, I can't do that, that's dumb. Um, you have all these resistances. I did. I had these subtle resistances in my relapses. Uh, I'm going to finish up. Um, and I had to look at those and see where it wasn't working. What were the disease voices that were sneaking in and taking me back down? Uh, so, yeah, it's awareness. It's awareness. And then you get awareness in prayer silent meditation and working these steps with a recovered sponsor. Thank you. I pass. Uh, thanks so much, Christina J. Okay, next up is Katie B. And Katie will be followed by Barbara A. Good morning, Katie. Hi. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you for your service and good morning, everybody. Um, so I'm so grateful just that I get to hear everyone shares for these past weeks and the beginning of the book and on the doctor's opinion. And I know that it wasn't until I embraced the doctor's opinion fully that I was able to get recovered, and I am now a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm very grateful for that. Um, but when I look at the last line, you know, though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. First of all, that defines who I was originally. I thought I was different, I was better, and that this wasn't for me. And I did scoff. I scoffed at uh, so many aspects of this program, and um, I'm so grateful that I was finally able to embrace the program, have the willingness, because that's the only way I became recovered. But uh, what really stands out to me right now this morning about scoffing is that I still use and apply that principle throughout you know, all of my recovery. Um, I, when I find myself Stopping something, like recently, if I find myself, I'm in something happening, something's happening in my life, and I'm rolling my eyes a lot, and I'm sort of scoffing the situation, um, I apply that line to my life, and that's what I need to, like, go to my higher power. I need to get on my knees, and I need to pray, because I'm not having humility when I am scoffing something. And, uh, and I'm so grateful I got to hear that this morning because when I'm scoffing something and I'm thinking that I'm better than, uh, then that's taking me away from my higher power. And that's, and that's uh, making my connection to my higher power uh, 
weaker, not stronger. And I just, I love that line. I love the whole chapter. And I'm just so grateful that I got to hear it read today and remind myself of the importance of, uh, of this book and this program. And with that, I'm going to pass. I wish you all a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie B., for your sharing. Okay, next up is Barbara E., and Barbara will be followed by Christine A. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. We got you. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so wonderful. Sometimes I talk for hours without realizing I'm on mute. Well, when I came through, when I first came into the program, uh, the woman that greeted me asked me some questions. She said, does misery show up when you don't want it to, Barbara? And I said, yeah. Do you often feel this depression? Yes. How much of the month do you feel this sense of depression and despondency? And when you do, do you go into isolation? And are you usually in fear? And how do you handle it? Do you say you ha- you're happy when deep down you know you're lying? What does make you happy? And have most of your answers been, I go to food? Do you ever reach out to another human being and say, I want to eat. I need help. Help me, please. Do you ever think you might need God that, who could be there to help you? Do you want to manage everyone's life? Do you ever feel like you're a victim, Barbara? Are you driven by self-delusion and self-seeking and pity? Do you find you have the same problems over and over again? Do you see that even though you may not be eating, your inner life is equally unmanageable? Well, she said to me, I think like you do. And I think you have a disease and we can help you. So welcome home. We have a problem that can help you. It's not your fault. You have this disease and this life-killing disease wants us dead or suffering. But God has given us the tools to recover and offers us a transformation in our attitudes and the way we handle life. And isn't that beautiful, Barbara? But you've got to trust us and you've got to stay around and give us six meetings. And if you're still miserable and if you're still unhappy and you're still binging your brains out, then we'll refund your misery. But I stayed for those six meetings and I stayed for the miracle and I don't understand the miracle but I do believe it's a God of my no understanding, a God of love that is there for me, that's plucked away the thorns that, that surrounded my rose, the thorns of resentment and misery and isolation. And I love this program. And I say to any of you out there, welcome home. Take my hand and I'll reach across the abyss and help you to the other side. We have a program that works. Dr. Silkworth believed in it. I believe in it. Believe in it, please. It's never too late. We're not junk. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, 
you're probably right. So let's go into life today and have a beautiful day. And my name is Barbara E., and I live in the state of New Jersey, better known as the state of confusion. So I say, give me a call. Welcome home. Thank you. I pass. Okay. Thank you, Barbara E. Next up is Christine A. Good morning, Christine. Good morning. My name is Christine A. And I'm a recovered compulsive breeder. I live here in Northern Ireland. But um, I'm very blessed to be here today and on this meeting. But on those paragraphs that are read out, it's, it's all very, very powerful. But something I had circled was made his own diagnosis. And certainly that I was always running the show and I did everything I could never see. I mean, I had a belief in God, but probably not a faith in God. And I was running the show and doing everything. But with me running the show and doing everything, it just took me to total desperation. And someone said about God sending out a search and rescue mission, you know, and certainly for that man and certainly for me. I have a sister in the program and uh, I had been in AA years ago and of course it's scoffed that she reached out recently and I've come back and I discovered a vision for you and I'm in another fellowship and I'm familiar with the big book but it's been a revelation um, just working through the doctor's opinion with um, my sponsor and really he was an extraordinary human being that he had, you know, that he could understand the two sides, the, the double whammy, really. But um, just, I think the miracle of the program is just showing us that there is hope. And uh, I'm glad I, I've stayed and I'm praying every day and I just can't wait to uh, be passing the message on to others suffering. Uh, compulsive eaters with the iPad and wish everybody a beautiful day. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Christine. Okay, so we have about oh a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, if someone would like to jump in there real quick. I could take one more person. This is Larry. Larry, gotcha. Go right ahead, Larry Kay. Two minutes. Okay, I can take a yeah, I can take that. You know, I uh, when I read this paragraph, such beautiful shares. I what I fully understand that this transformation would not occur for this guy until the dust in the attic has you know it has to settle, because let's face it, you know when the dust in the attic is is still actively swirling about, um, it's choking him. It's choking me. In fact, I'm so busy coughing up a lung, you know, and sneezing, and my eyes are watery. And uh, that there's no room for a sustainable awareness of God's presence. See, my attention is elsewhere. And there's one crisis after another. And when a human being like me is suffering intensely, I'm only able to focus on my misery. It's misery, misery, misery. There, there needs to be the beginnings of alleviation of that suffering. And it's a sequential process through these 12 steps. And I've heard it said that love recognizes no barriers. God can remove the dust, but not without my acquiescence. Sorry, no acceptance on my part, no awareness, no access. It's, it's, it's about my perception. And here's the thing about acceptance. True acceptance is revealed in one's action. 
this guy took action. He went from the barn and depression and all that, and he took action. Same with me, same with you. Not in, in conception. There's no getting ready to act. There's only the willingness to do, and he did it, and God made the difference there. And I'm grateful that it was available to me too. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Melissa. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. All righty. Um, thank you for everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today's meeting, today being August 25th, uh, 2020, is 15214. That's 15214. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks for your loving service. This is Martha Z. gratefully recovered from outside of Philadelphia. Abandon yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.